UFOs and flying saucers and ETs and government conspiracies, but I've seen none of the above. If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles, lose my little mind. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to another episode of X Files Talk X Files, the only podcast that knows what Scully really whispered to Mulder. I want to be surgically grafted to you forever. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. No, no. <laughs> uh, something tells me we'll come back to that plot point. <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> hi, everybody. I'm David Howard, and joining me today from xfiles.news, I have Kava and Avi. Hi to both of you. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to be talking today about episode 9 of season 11, Nothing Lasts Forever, written by uh, Karen Nielsen and directed by James Wong. Uh, but first, I do have a couple of things to plug real quick. Um, I know I've been, we've said about this multiple times already, uh, but if you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, first of all, want to let you know that we really appreciate it. Please consider showing your support by making a $5 donation in support of the show. It does take some time, does take quite a bit of, uh, well, it does take quite a bit of time. It takes a little bit of money uh, to get this uh, show out every week. So if you have enjoyed it, please uh, consider going to X-Files, talkxfiles.com, where you can make a donation and get an exclusive bonus episode where Avi, Kava and I talk the two X-Files Audible series, Cold Cases and Stolen Lives. Um, and also, I just really want to plug again, real quick, uh, the novel that I've written, it's now out, it's called Nightlights. It deals uh, kind of with the phenomenon of alien abduction, but also touches on some of the themes of X-Files 2, and there's quite a few X-Files Easter eggs actually in there, so if you listen to this podcast, I think that you might like it. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you would check it out and, you know, let me know what you think. You can find it on Amazon, wherever you are in the world, uh, just search for Nightlights, David Harwood, it's there available for kindle it's there in paperback um so go check it out and let me know what you think great that's all of that stuff done <laughs> on to the episode um and i'll be honest I, when the teaser first came up i was wondering what the hell kind of episode we were going to get this week we have some <laughs> mm-hmm. weird surgeons and like this ninja superhero and is this x-files this is the tone they wanted to set before the big finale um but it actually turned out to be really good, I really, really loved this episode. You know, it wasn't a superhero ninja kind of thing at all. It was more this 60s gothic exploitation kind of thing. You had all these mattresses all over the floor, very sort of reminiscent of the Manson kind of cult uh, kind of vibe going on. It was kitschy, and it, but it skewed X-Files in a really good way, I felt. And there was just so many callbacks or... Um, Lots of aspects of this episode were reminiscent of things that we've seen in the past, but done very well in combination here. Um, finally, James Wong gets kind of some payback for the uh, Hell Money episode, which was not great. Uh, this kind of has some similar... You can see what I'm saying, you know, it kind of makes up for Hell Money. Um, lots of sort of stuff from I Want to Believe, I felt like was in here as well, with the surgical kind of stuff, the mm-hmm. faith kind of stuff. Uh, and also it, it did a nice kind of twist on what Vince did with Sunshine Days, sort of sending off the X-Files once again um, to the annals of TV history. So 
Um, Avi, do you want to jump in? What, what was your take on this? It's funny that you bring up Sunshine Days because as much as I like pop culture and I love the Brady Bunch, I really dislike that episode. <laughs> um, I know that I you think, do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that we've talked about this in the past, but... Um, and and I don't want to center the whole conversation about it, but I think back in the day, it was the the worst way to send off the fandom before going into the truth. Because it was, I felt that it was talking down to the fans instead of being in the same level. And especially because they portrayed the fandom as this person that, you know, was stuck in the past and that was, you know, in need of mental health and all this stuff, which I appreciate that the fandom can get that way sometimes. And I mean, if we're going to be honest with each other, we're, we've always recognized that we can be a little bit intense, but I didn't think that it spoke <laughs> at length as to how great the fandom can be. Um, having said that, if we're going to have nothing lasts forever as sort of, the nod to the fandom um, willingly or unwillingly. Um, I think it's a lot more centered and more fair into having a respectful conversation as to how we can still ponder about how things used to be and how you need to let go it's a, it's a more mature conversation about that same topic, I think. Um, which, you know, you can also make the same argument. Like, oh, well, it, it, it portrayed the people that are stuck in the past as people that are, you know, vampires and sucking up all the life of everyone and all this stuff. Yeah, you can make that argument. But it is also, it didn't sound as naive as something that it's more of a social commentary than it was on Sunshine Days because it's not only touching upon people and the practice of people being stuck in their, you know, in their shows or in the, how things used to be, even like in society right now, how people ponder about how the, the United States used to be and how like, let's make America great again and all this topic. But but it's also about so many things about human nature because always we're kind of like seeing life as like life is always greener on the other side or it used to be better before or like I used to have, I don't know, better thighs before, whatever it is that you're obsessed with. Um, when at the end of the day, uh, it's more about moving forward and more about what life is, you know, bringing up to you. Um, and I think it was a nice reflection, not only in terms of the show, but also about Mulder and Scully's relationship that we've never seen discussed in the way that we see we saw discussed in this episode. I just want to stick up for Sunshine Days real quick. I'm not going to get into it because we have a whole <laughs> podcast on that. Um, I, I still really love Sunshine Days. I didn't take it. I mean, I know I can see how you could take it that way and being more involved with the fandom side of things, you know, I definitely get it. Um, for me, Sunshine Danes, I always just took as a very sort of sweet episode that was, you know, more focused on a fondness for an old show that was like a good friend kind of thing, which is kind of what Exiles was for me growing up. Um, less on a 
Vince Gilligan telling us that we're all obsessives and we need to stop and get over it. Um, but go listen to that old podcast. It's still out there. It's available. We're going to have this whole conversation over the course of an hour rather than this yeah. this five-minute yeah. thing. So, uh, Kava, what did you think of uh, this episode, Nothing Lasts Forever? I loved it overall. Um, and just kind of to the point you were making, too, about how they again touched on you know, the people that were getting bogged down in their glory years and being stuck in the past. But I also think Mulder and Scully showed that, you know, they've moved forward, but they're still, you know, they may have gotten older, times have changed, but they're still relevant. Things are still happening. I mean, they walk into that crime scene right off the bat and those two rookie FBI agents are like, oh, we know all about you. And, and Mulder just kind of goes off on his, like, you know, the three types of wood needed to defeat evil. And he's all excited. And Scully's just kind of looking at him. And you did that on purpose. And he's like, yeah, I did. Oh, you know. And and they just kind of take over and, and take it from there. And, and the, the banter between the two of them right off the bat there is just classic. <laughs> um, to and, and to the point where... Yeah, they've aged, but they're still relevant. They're still out investigating these cases. They still are successful and manage to solve the case in this instance. Um, and then towards the end, we get Mulder talking to Dr. Luvenis, and, you know, the doctor's all aging is a disease. And we're just like, no, it really isn't. It's just kind of the natural progression of life um, and how it feels like they're both sort of they both kind of accepted that. I mean, way more so than the than the cult people ever will. I mean, they're making jokes about Mulder needing glasses and, and yelling gout and, and whatnot, which just cracked me up. Um, so it, it's it's kind of playing on, you know, Mulder and Scully having aged, but that they're still there doing their thing, um, being successful at it. And I think that's a way more fulfilling life than spending your time hiding in the dark being so petrified about what you see in the mirror that you're not out living your life. Um, and obviously the, the cult people take that to the extreme, but it was just kind of that them having aged was just a nice sort of reality check compared to the batshit crazy cultist people, blood drinking aside, just the, that whole obsession with, with vanity. Um, I did find it interesting that we it was kind of hearkening back to season two and our town because we'd already sort of covered that cannibalism as the fountain of youth thing way back then. Um, and it, it would have been nice to perhaps touch on the fact that they'd seen something sort of similar before. Yeah. I think at this point the show has <laughs> covered so many things. Everything is going to retread stuff a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, f they forget so much stuff. The fact that they've done a case <laughs> similar to that, is excusable, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I, and this episode as well, I think it's more to do... Yeah, that um, Our Town kind of took things a different way. I think this episode does mm -hmm. things a little bit different, even though it's got some kind of crossover. This episode it seems a bit more um, closer related to the plastic surgery one because it's a lot more about vanity and it's mm -hmm. about um, sort of the breaking down of the barrier between fantasy and reality. I mean, that, that scene where Barbara's in her bed watching her old sitcom on TV, she's actually in the prop bed from the TV show. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it, yeah, I guess it does things a little bit differently. Just to go back to the opening scene at the crime scene, um, 
we've got to talk about the whole did you get your haircut line (laughs) (laughs) because everybody has just been ranting on about that ever since the silent rep the robot episode Uh, and finally it came out and it got acknowledged and i just love the fact that they did such a drastic hairstyle change just so that they could have this joke free episodes later that's brilliant well, you well, know, <laughs> don't spoil it for me. <laughs> I am going to. Um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that Jillian did not got tired of the previous wig, and and so they decided that they wanted to try out for this other style. Um, but and and also it is a thing where like this episode would have been uh episode number eight so maybe the leap of like how much time he has seen her with that hairstyle would have been so long um but but yeah i thought it was a great joke to address to it's not like you know i mean in in some ways whenever we're talking about followers i thought that they should have addressed it there and it would have been cute for like try to like address it in the silent way that they were doing it but i did find it more timely now because now it's kind of like even more of a joke whenever you're like really are you so self-centered in some parts of yourself that you that right now it's when you're gonna note it but Mm. yeah yeah i I kind of spoil it for you but not that much (laughs) i guess look at it this way um i don't know if you've ever worn a wig for any reason (laughs) Yeah. Let's just say that I have. Right. Yeah, okay. You know, well, then maybe you know how like freaking heavy and just like painful that can be. I mean, I've I've worn them for like dance performances and costumes and, and stuff like that in the past. And by the end of the day, it, you're talking like super nasty headache. Like, I mean, I can't imagine six months worth of that. So I don't I don't blame her. But yeah, that was of all the things for people to get really riled up about it. That was that was one. So I thought the acknowledgement was perfect. And and Scully's reaction. You are you kidding me? Like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are kidding you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so let's talk um, a little bit about how they've used religion in this episode. And this is something x has done a lot over the years. And, you know, faith is obviously the big theme throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And it was so refreshing just to have um, the sort of grown-up mature conversations between them both where they openly... Yes acknowledge and appreciate their differing point of views on things and you know it's mm-hmm. you know the micro is about you know religious beliefs but the macro is just about everything else in the show that you know where they can take different leaps of faith and how they are different people but they work so well together so um i guess i need to let you girls ship a little bit here <laughs> Well, we'll so I'll stick to the religious part of it first, just for a little bit, and then we can we can delve into the squealing. Um, but because I I did I went back and I watched All Souls just as a um, kind of to refresh my memory because that was one of the I think the episodes that really dealt with Scully's faith the most. Um, and and she's really struggling there, and she's in confession and talking about you know how she was trying to save these girls and and you know how her faith sort of interacted with that. And Mulder is a complete asshole the entire episode. He's just awful and is, is so dismissive of, you know, her faith. And, you know, we see that in, in other episodes before where he's, you know, he'll believe just about anything, but religion is, is something he, he just looks down his, his nose at it. Um, and, and that episode was no exception. He was just awful. 
So to turn from that to see him, you know, in the church with her being supportive and just sort of, you know, sharing his, his knowledge about some of the, you know, biblical passages he's picked up along the way and, and taking more of just like a, a scholarly look at it, you know, whether he believes it or not, he's open to it. Um, and, and that to me showed a huge amount of growth in, in his character and was really refreshing. I, I mean, I'm a former Catholic and now I'm Buddhist. And so like for me, certain things about the episode that a lot of people didn't pick up on were actually pretty natural. And there's a lot of people that are actually kind of fighting about certain things that happened or not happened in the church that for me are understandable and have an argument. Um, but I also feel that, you know, to the point of what Kayla was saying, that, you know, there's been progress in how Mulder sees Scully's beliefs, is that not only has he matured in the way that he has to assume that they are different people, that it's it's not going to happen, that she is going to be a copycat of of his own personality, that it doesn't have to be that way for it to work. But also it is a matter that he has taken his own interpretation of her own faith to actually enrich his own beliefs because it's it's the part where now he's evolved to understand life through believing in her, which is something that we had never actually dealt enough in this show. It's always been about what Mulder believes, where the beliefs come from, what those beliefs trigger, and 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 Skull's beliefs, because they've been seen through Mulder's eyes, most of the times are hindrance, most of the time are kind of something that it's even more questioned that the fact that Mulder believes in aliens or not. And now it's seen from a different perspective where they're no longer that, where they expand and and explain many choices about her life without them being an obstacle, but more of an enriching layer between between them. And it also now gives a part where it explains other points of their relationship, not, not only where their limits are, but also where those limits have triggered certain actions, such as how she reacted whenever they were together and got separated, how it spurred that conversation, what it might have been, you know, of influence within the decisions and the way that she shapes her limits. So, you know, for me, it was great because of that. It was great because it it also gave a layer to how much even she believes in her own beliefs because she she admits to not be perfect in her in her own practice. So she admits to, you know, not being super serious about the things that she prays for. And she now admits that she's trying to be more consequential about the things that she's praying for. And how it is sometimes even understood for her that she's also never going to convert him where she says, I'm going to need some time. This is my stuff. It's your choice to leave or not. You don't have to be with me for this. And, And still, at the end of the day, almost... You know, knowing that there's a part of that practice that she can do by herself, but but there's other parts of not only that the practice of her life, but the practice of her religion that she needs him for, and that you know that's 
in some way the miracle that she's been hoping for. Um, so I thought that how all those themes were inter interweaved, it was really poignant and really timely. And I thought the writer had a special level of skill and and and, and contact with so many of these themes that I don't I don't I think in the conversation of what we got and we didn't get, a lot of that got lost. Mm-hmm. And that recognition got lost. Um, to 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 come back to how much we talk about that the penultimate episode before this show has ended. Um, I think this is an episode I can rave about for hours and hours and hours and study how many yeah. layers it has for hours than mm-hmm. whatever Sunshine Days ever gave me or so many other episodes ever gave me. So Yeah, that's a fair point. Making the choice to swap um, this episode with the previous was the best choice they ever could have made. Yeah. Because uh, yes. it, it just would have been ridiculous to have this and all of this growth and then go back to a monster in the woods and then go back you know, to the similar themes that they're going to be chasing in, in My Struggle 4. And I, I think, too, to um, Avi's point about, you know, Scully's beliefs, I think it, it says a lot about, because um, throughout the, the, the series, her beliefs have come a little bit closer to Mulder's. You know, she's seen things that, you know, she cannot deny. Um, and Ev- she's not eventually, she couldn't deny eventually. them. <laughs> yeah. you know, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, she's she's not as skeptical about, most things or some things as, as she was when we see her in the early seasons. So there's been some growth for her too. So to see Mulder kind of, you know, he, he's not becoming religious. He's not becoming a believer, but at least a bit more accepting of her belief system too. I, I just enjoy really kind of seeing them meeting in the middle more because they've, they've done that a lot throughout the, the season. I've, I felt that they've just been working so well together. And this was just one more example of that that growth and, and, and shows that you know, the relationship has had some bumpy points, but it's stood the test of, of time and how they've sort of grown together. And yeah, I was just really appreciative of that. Yeah. I, I really, really love this episode and, you know, you can nitpick certain parts of it, but like you said, Avi, there's just so many different layers to this. It's, <sighs> Certainly one of the very few episodes that we've had in seasons 10 or 11 that I think this is one I'm going to keep revisiting frequently to start start peeling away some more of those layers that are in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to get too personal about it, but, you know, that, that scene that they have there and they talk about their differences and stuff, you know, I'm not a religious person at all. My wife is and, you know, we're kind of raising our kids that way a little bit, but... It, it kind of just really sort of brought that home to me on how we're dealing with that aspect of our lives, just hearing Mulder and Scully talking about it, and the fact that they are at that mature place, it it really struck a chord with me personally on top of everything, you know, about the show and the character's growth and everything, and yeah, there's just so much good stuff in here, and you're talking about them talking about... Um, you know, life isn't perfect. They can't both be 100% the same in all these different ways. And to a big part, the episode was them sort of unpacking that and accepting that, that, you know, our relationship, our lives are not perfect. You know, it's 
the imperfections, which is sometimes where the beauty is. And that, of course, was counterpointing everything that the cult wanted. They wanted to have the the perfect uh, face, the perfect body, the, you know, be young forever sort of thing. And, of course, Scully's going to live forever anyway. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it just some there's lots of very nice contrasts in there. And even in the the first scene after the teaser, after the opening credits, where it's, you know, Scully in church receiving the Eucharist and stuff, and, you know, the whole Catholic concept of transubstantiation contrasts mm-hmm. nicely with the cult's cannibalism yeah. <laughs> in a freaky way, and you, you don't get it the first time around, but when you go back and rewatch, oh, well, yeah, it's there. Whoever um, eats my flesh and drinks my blood right off the bat. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's a great way to set it up, even if it you know, obviously has another meeting when you're, when you're in church, but it was like, yep, that I, yes. (laughs) And it's super funny because when we're, when we've, we watched this episode with friends, um, when it aired, um, and one of her friends is super Catholic, but Catholic more on not, I would say not on the super moderate part. She's she said that her church is a little bit more liberal um, while there was another person that was Jewish and sort of like she couldn't even like understand the, the Jewish person couldn't understand that in fact they do believe in transvestition and that you know that whenever you're in church you're, you're supposed to believe that you're drinking you know Chris, Christ's blood and or not Chris's blood that would be <laughs> But, That's yeah, your fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> but, oh, oh my god, I'm gonna need soap for that. Yeah. Um, but, no, no, lemon. Um, <laughs> but oh Jesus. Uh, but, <laughs> this is funny because, like everyone that hangs with me enough, I mean, I was raised in this Catholic, super uber Catholic family, and like I'm a like I've been a Buddhist for the longest time ever, and I still every time that I get shocked about something, I always go to that. And I'm like Jesus Christ, like I can't, I can't even like get rid of that. But to the point of what we're talking, um, it, there's so much about this that we joked about that, like Catholics don't even find that that that's irrational that whenever you go into church you end up pretty much entertaining a very cannibalistic part of any kind of tale and it's super acceptable but seen under the eyes of a belief that actually makes it into a complete different story um and even even you know believing in in you know in reincarnation and believing in all this stuff that at the end of the day depending on how you tell the story it either becomes a a horror story or a super hopeful one so you know it's like you said it's it's something that we're going to be talking about forever and and i love that this was this was such a great x-file because this is what x-files should should be doing you know spreading all these conversations that people never have and maybe bringing a lot more understanding about it, what it is that there's so many differences that people can't cope with. But and there's also the part where it also educated people because I found myself so many times on Twitter this week kind of explaining a lot of things that people wouldn't get, like, for instance, why people 
you know, shouldn't be kissing on a church um, because that's only for the people that are getting married. And it turns out that talking with a friend that it's also Catholic, but more like on the liberal side, it turns out that some churches here actually allow that. And in Venezuela, for example, where I was raised, where Catholicism is really conservative, that wouldn't be a thing. Like you, you can't hold hands. You can't. It, it was like a whole plot point whenever you would like give grace that you could kiss someone like your neighbor or hold or, or hold your neighbor because then you allowed some kind of physical contact with this person. And whenever couples were in the church, it was kind of like, oh my God, we're doing this naughty thing where we're gonna kiss even though we're not married. So that explains a whole lot of that creative choice inside the church of why not kissing and why she wouldn't kiss. But. Yeah, we're going to talk about this a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> we will get oh there. We're, we're going to circle back to that final scene. Um, I just want to give a quick sort of just shout out for um, the supporting cast in this because Mulder's Gully, you know, they're together most of the time, pretty much all mm -hmm. the time, I think, in this episode, which is nice. But yeah. they're not on screen all the time. And the supporting cast, mm -hmm. I thought, did a really great job of, you know, keeping the energy up and... Just they were strong enough to hold the audience in those extensive mm -hmm. scenes where there is no Mulder and Scully. You know, we had some really funny moments too, where they're talking about, "Oh, I remember Dylan. He didn't shut up. I'm glad we ate him." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Fiona Vroom, I thought, you know, aside from having the best um, supporting cast uh, actor's name that I think we've ever had, right. um, <laughs> she was great. And I saw that she was actually played a uh, young Cassandra back in My Struggle Free as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I thought that they were both great. And I would totally watch a show um, starring Juliet um, as the religious Avenger. Yeah, I, I would watch more of that. That that would be amazing. <laughs> I think I, I think we've discussed this a lot. Whenever we we were talking, I mean, we didn't get to talk to Jim Wong about the episode, but we talked with several people that were in, involved in production, even when we were up in Vancouver. And um, that was one of the things whenever we saw the episode is that, you know, well, I think one of the weakest parts was the development of that character. That character is actually the one that, you know, I would love to have, just like you said, something like a show on Netflix and something like a religious adventure kind of a type thing. And even... And, and you can see that Jim tried to do so and present her in that way because all the shots are kind of like Dutch shots and like all that kind of action that was built around it. And it was so, so entertaining. It even reminded me of like, you know, you remember Dark, Dark Angel? That was that show yes. mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. And yep. it was, you know, really refreshing even if like sometimes we joke and dread about you know x-files the next generation kind of a show i would love to see that um but that storyline in in particular there it has many layers too because if you were to ponder about how we came to be with an 10th and 11th season i mean it was years upon years of wishing and praying for this. And, and here we have her mother praying to have her, his, her daughter back. 
only that she wasn't very specific of how that happened. So she did end up with her daughter back, but she lost her other daughter. Um, in so many ways, I've made this joke before. We didn't really specifically, you know, you know, say how we wanted the X-Files back. And, I mean, for some, it has been a great experience and everything they ever wanted. And for so many, it hasn't. It's been a struggle. So, yeah, it's been a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, and Sorry. Yeah. So maybe the, the takeaway from that story, one, is that you have to be really specific about whenever you make a wish. You can, you can probably get what you want. And you, maybe you won't get exactly what you want. But this is what happens when you, you get second chances or you get opportunities to like, kind of like change your situation around. Um, and I, I don't think that we ponder too much about that part of the story. And we don't ponder too much about, you know, what, besides the, the need of saving her sister, I, I feel like there's so much more texture to that character that, I, that, it's, that it's there. It could be there. And it's, it's, it's just lack of time, I think, that we have. Yeah. I, I wondered a lot about how she figured out how she made that leap to these organ harvesters and that her sister was involved with that particular group of people, especially because at the beginning she doesn't seem to know where her sister is, just that these people mm -hmm. are responsible for it. So mm -hmm. I would have loved to have known a bit more about that. And at first I was a little bit confused as to how Mulder and Scully found her and then watched it again and went, oh, duh, the, you know, because Mulder even the spelled heart, it out for yeah. you, that the, yeah. you know, the priest was like, he was afraid that there was somebody within the church who was taking vengeance and, Obviously, Juliet would have had a reason to to do this, so that's how they ended up on her doorstep. But at first, I was like, "Wait, what? How did they?" So yeah, and that's on that side, and then that's the other side where Scully puts the tracker on the heart. Yes, and yeah. and so they they go about her own way of solving the case, which is the more logical way, and not mm -hmm. like believes leaps yep. that take right. So yeah. you, you you get Mulder's gut that doesn't need glasses. Plus, yeah. Scully's a little bit more practical, you know, science yeah. knowledge with the tracker. And, and, yeah, it was just a great, you know, reason and faith and harmony. And that's how they solved the case. Together. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us yes. back to that final scene. And Aww. me, my thought was just, wow. Uh, just an amazing final scene with them and uh -huh. we, we talked before about how I want to believe was kind of like the uh, culmination of the thematic side of the show I think that that scene right there is good enough an ending for Mulder and Scully's relationship at least for me um, yeah. I gather that not everybody <laughs> feels that way and that yeah. there's some slight outrage at how this episode ended I don't get it I loved it I thought it was beautiful I thought it was damn near perfect I I really think we can blame that outrage on the promo editing. People yeah. saw that lean in the mid-season trailer and um, let their imaginations run away with them and assumed that they were going to kiss, and they didn't. And, and because they were so mad about not getting that final tiny little bit of affection, they just lost the meaning of the rest of the scene. And I sort of ranted about that a little bit in in my review. Um, and, and it's just too bad because there was so much growth there and it just was, was this huge leap forward. And if, if 
the only thing you get out of that is you're mad that they didn't kiss. Like, I just, I feel awful for you and go watch it again and then watch it again and watch yeah. it again and see what really happened there. Cause I mean, Avi and I when when, I mean, she'd watched it first by herself and then, then I watched with her a little later and I just felt like I'd been hit by a bus. Like I could not mm-hmm. believe they were finally going there. And I'm just looking at her like dumbfounded. And, and that was the beauty of files watching together. Cause I knew she understood what I felt because I couldn't, like I couldn't speak for a little bit after I watched it. That's how, how much it hit me. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was funny because this happened. We, we got the, even a pre-screener, we got to see the lock copy, not even like the one that they gave to press. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, a thing where like, I, I had to sit down and like ball for a little bit. It's like, I can't believe we got this far. <laughs> and, and, and to the point that I like, like, just like I said on Twitter, I knew people would have been, would be disappointed because as much as the promo editor wants to argument that he was trying to tease and all this stuff. It takes a little bit more of knowledge of your audience, you know, the expectations of, of this audience and the, the fiber of this audience to know how, the effect that this stuff would be. Um, and I mean, to, to my benefit or, or, or not, I've been working for promos for, holy crap, 15 years of my life now. And, and I, one of the things that I always stood against was lying to the audience to the mm-hmm. point that I mean you can you can misdirect or you can mislead and and this is misleading this is not misdirection and it, it might be mis it might be misdirection to any other audience but not this one and I I just I mean I found it funny that he tried to defend himself on on Twitter and granted them his job and they're trying to to up the ratings as much as they can. But at the end of the day, you know, the ratings are what they are. And they're stood at 3 million viewers every week since more than half of the season. Mm-hmm. So it, there was no need to do that. But coming to the content of, this, of the scene, what I think is that a lot of people, people miss in the rage of not having physical affection shown is that for Mulder and Scully for the longest time, words and 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 this kind of gestures are far more romantic and even erotic to a degree than than this kind of base level sort of gesture and at the end of the day what i was trying to explain to a lot of people was that well what what would have happened if you gotten just the kiss what does that kiss mean and like what what is it gonna come up to and even if you would make the argument of having that conversation and the kiss there were actually logical reasons as to why not to have that kiss there and at the end of the day I also feel that narratively as a writer I would have questioned why put a kiss there because kisses come with the finality of a final scene and this this episode was not the final episode of the show as much as this is the finale for me in terms of the relationship because now we're going to go into an episode that is going to be whatever it's going to be um, um, this is not the last epi- this is not the last episode and we we got a kiss and 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 a conversation and existence 
which could have been the last episode of the show. We got that in I Want to Believe, which could have been the last time we saw them. So justifying that this had to happen there, for a writer, it's kind of hard. Because it kind of it gives you, in the arch of the season, it kind of gives you a double ending, which you don't want. So... Mm-hmm. I, was I don't think you need. I don't think you need the kiss because we've had kisses no. before. Um, this was. I mean, their relationship has always been grounded in intellectualism and talking mm-hmm. about stuff, and that's why X Files was always sexy. It was because it was. It's, it's basically mm-hmm. mental porn. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's. I, I prefer that, and I think that as an audience, we've always, or a large part of our audience, has always preferred that, and. For me, it was kind of shocking to see so many people adamantly fighting and really, really being offended by the fact that this hadn't happened. And I, I can be in that position for a little bit when I, and I, I don't mean this as, as any kind of talking down to people or, or, or trying to like tell them that they're silly or anything like that. I, I, I get your point, but I, I cannot, I, I don't. My part of fandom, people that I, I I relate to in the fandom, would get this point that this is a lot. It, this means a lot more in terms of substance, and it's a lot more layered than any kiss would be. And and granted, we could have gotten that kiss and be badly lit, and then the the complaint would be, oh, it wasn't it wasn't bright enough. It was we didn't see the dong or whatever it is that they want to complain after that because no one is ever going to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So, you know. And I think even to the point where, you know, yeah, they had the conversation and the kiss in existence, but that was also they never quite answered the question. I mean, they answered it with the affection. There was the, you know, the truth we both know which is what. Mm-hmm. They feel it with a kiss. But the question, I mean, if you want to go that way, isn't really answered. Whereas here, this is one of the first times where they ever just flat out, you know, Mulder is saying these things to Scully and she's like, are we together? And, and he, you know, responds in, in such a way that he's made his choice very clear. He is standing Mm -hmm. right there. He's, you know, he's come back from whatever it was that he was battling. That's, that split them up. I mean, Cannon blames Mulder and Scully's breakup on his depression. I, I think it was both of them. I think she was just as depressed and has this tendency to not deal with her shit you know, she works hard, she bottles things, she doesn't talk about it. So to see her finally asking for that, you know, just this clarity about where exactly they stand meant so much to me to, to see her. And I, I think that's kind of why she'd been spending so much time in the church throughout this episode, because that's where she goes to process things. I mean, you see mm-hmm. that in, in All Souls and coming back to it here. So she was kind of working out her, you know, her issues um, and, you know, asked him that question. He says he wants to be, you know, is, is standing there with her. She responds, you know, that this is a, you know, this is her leap of faith forward. She wants to do it together. She's right there with him. And that to me was huge. I, I, I didn't need anything else after that. I mean, I, I understand why people are, are upset and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would have liked to have seen that kiss there. I think Avi makes some great points from a, a writer's standpoint. And for me, I was just so satisfied with the talking. I, I didn't need anything else. And, and I, to see it made so clear that yes, okay, we're going to do this, we're, we're a unit, we're together. And it's a choice that they both made. And, and it wasn't under duress. I mean, Scully's not crying, nobody's leaving. It, it just yeah. happened, you know, and it, it was just so... It's a mature so, conversation about yes. their own life. Yeah. 
And it's yep. it's a thing where like like even she she because she knows that he's gonna question the whole magical part of prayers. Um, she even tries to explain to like the number the non-believer in this part of life person in front of her that it's not about it being just a prayer it's a meditation it's kind of therapy just like just like Kiva said that is a, a lot of my points sometimes that I try to get into with people that are atheists it's like prayer is not about believing someone is going to do something for you it's actually having a conversation with yourself which at, at the end of the day is what Mulder has been doing all this time but it that leads to a, an even bigger revelation is that what has driven him to stick around is that he believes in her mm -hmm. and at the end of the day he almost in in so many words says that she is his god which i i that had me floor whenever i got to that realization when when what it meant what he said that mm -hmm. and for a show that doesn't that you know rarely goes into insanely sappy things to say that was insanely sappy things to say about a relationship and it's just i mean i don't think we're gonna get bigger than this and the writer of the scene should like really bask in the moment where they wrote that so yeah i think this yeah. is this is the perfect love scene for the x-files i mean certain sections of the fans might want something different but i think this was tone perfect for the show and for those characters and and this isn't really the kind of episode where you want to see them putting a tongue in each other's mouth anyway mm -hmm, no. <laughs> i mean no. we just saw tongues being consumed i wouldn't want to see any more tongue, right. really. and the, the fact that they both sort of acknowledge how much the other means and how much you know like uh, avi just said Mulder doesn't believe in God, but he believes in her. Scully making that statement about how, you know, Mulder is so strong in, in his beliefs and, and, you know, he always points north and, and how she she needs that. I mean, they've they've talked about the relying on the, the strength of their beliefs before, but to just revisit that, how they're each pointing out what they need in the other um, was just... Yeah, I, I just I get shivers just thinking. Yeah, we can we can continue talking for this, another hour. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say this is the this is you know such a great episode. It's one of those ones where we can talk about this for hours on end. Um, unfortunately, we are pressed for time, so we are gonna have to um, wrap this one up a little early today. Uh, but we are gonna have a season eleven retrospective episode in a couple of weeks after the finale is done. We'll talk about that, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about all of season eleven. So I'm sure this episode is gonna come up again then um thank you avi thank you kava oh thank you david for putting together this every week uh, yeah thank and you yeah, everybody for guys, listening donate. come on five five bucks that's like a venti latte in starbucks just don't drink coffee today make it a right it's well it's well worth it we promise <laughs> Yeah. Although we don't recommend that you take a day off of caffeine, go have the caffeine and yeah, find the five dollars I mean, somewhere. I'm not but you know. can I tell you that? I take <laughs> at least ten cups of coffee a day. So, like, I like my advice is just make it at home. I know it's not going to be the same, but like five bucks will like then give you something that you can listen to while drinking that coffee and make it a little bit better. Just saying. 
There you go. So we have My Struggle 4 is coming up um, in just a couple of days. So, uh, you know, you might oh, want to get God. some coffee and some alcohol in the house. I'm just saying. Oh, um, but we will hey, be I'll talking about it right here in another week's time. Um, I'm off to go grab a protein shake. See you later. Probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind